Welcome to BW Connect Spaces tonight with 25 minutes later than we normally are because we've been having some technical in, um, difficulties on the app. Apologies for everyone who's who's hung on during during this time. Thank you for, for, for coming back. There was a point where we had about 100 people on the space, um, you know, and I think right now most people are trying to find the space again. So thank you very much for for coming. Thank you very much for bearing with us. This is our last space of the year. Um, this space today will be about event management, Mobotswana, and effectively how we can all, you know, learn a little bit about it, understand how the businesses work, understand the different business models, what um, people in an events have to worry about, to hopefully be able to encourage you um, and you've got an interest in this specific business. Um, as you all know, um, for those that have never been um, on BW Connect Spaces, BW Connect Spaces is a platform that was really just created to share information, to build networks as well, um, and to hopefully build business linkages that can... Uh, prosper going forward. So it's not just about giving information and lecturing. It's also about finding we can link up together and hopefully be able to work with in, 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 in coming years. As we said, on BW Connect Spaces, it takes a village. So um, without much further ado, I'd like to welcome um, uh, my, my different uh, panelists today. That's more like about me. I'll start. Leruri Lemohang Senuelo. How are you? I'm great. I'm playing Howie. I'm good. It's Charlotte's into Charlotte's internet. Of course, I get you. Good jokes, eh? <laughs> yeah, I'll be here. And so. then. Like a one of those all-night spaces, Um, I know we were struggling with uh, getting you on for a bit there. Um, hey, it, 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 sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, um, but yes, I'm glad to be on. I finally figured it out. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm technologically deficient at the best of times. <laughs> Thank you. And then lastly, Ernale... Otherwise known as Bezo, how are you? No, man, I'm good. Today's space is about event management, which I think is a topical issue, especially now. And then September, and then we start having all of those events. But we've seen quite a lot of um, events, successful events. We've also seen some teething problems. Um, and 
every single week we seem to hear a different story, either you know where there are challenges or where there are successes in these. And we thought um, it would be it was suggested to us it would be great to host the space Irubuangad events. Now, when we looked at the panel, how we put the panelists together was which is why we deliberately put in a panel of speakers by Nukhor come from a diverse um, background with regards to the type of events they do. And I thought we would then break down all the different types of events in those specific type of events. So, basically, and just have Lemi speak to us about, um, just introduce um, the specific event which um, you are the patron of, which being AES. Um, you know, the, the people in the space who are AES again and the history behind AES. What does AES exactly do? Um, and just the general history. All right. Um, thank you so much, Mpoin. Um, I think I'm just going to be brief about it because of time. Um, IES is, 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 is a corporate event for entrepreneurs across the continent. So basically what we do is we bring in African entrepreneurs to come here into the country, you know, to, to build networks, to build partnerships and, you know, bridge, get, get a, bridge gaps uh, between entrepreneurs and, yeah. Basically, just that, that is just that about it. Or to build uh, partnerships, and then along the along the way, um, Botswana entrepreneurs are, are able to open their businesses or are able to, you know, to, to 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 travel or go any 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 part of Africa to 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 run their businesses there. For example, you know, Nidiko, Julia Tanzania doors have been open for him there. You know, we want all that for for, for Botswana entrepreneurs. Mostly, um, the environment, yeah, entrepreneurship, is not really conducive for us. So why why not just move into into other markets and try things there? So basically, that's just that. Um, I started ISGA twenty seventeen. Um, please hold on. I'm sorry, I have a son who is very very old. Let me somewhere long for so hey, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm um, sorry about that um like i said i started is in 2017 earlier on when points sent me the the brief yeah 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 everything was quite like a passion i was never passionate about uh events management i was never passionate about um events guys i'm so sorry <laughs> there's a problem but i'm just going to be back in 30 seconds with regards to yeah I have a 10 year old working from home yeah I have a 10 year old who's very troublesome so how but anyway um like I said um there was never passion in in with regards to 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 is I wanted to merge it with my business my business, which is Connect Circle. Connect Circle, we do, what we do is we bring in um, foreign investors into the country to come invest here. So I thought, why not just do a conference and all these people will be coming into the country, kill two birds with one stone. So yeah, there was never passion more. Who would be passionate about events management? It's in a stress and So yeah, um, 
Ayas 2017 was started. We started with a <laughs> launch in August. <laughs> and then we had the first one, 2018 February. We had the second one, 2019 February still. We had the third one, um, 2020, which is last year. And then we had the fourth one this year, which was a bit different and which was the most stressful because um, in Elohore, people are not coming here anymore. Um, we host them Bali in that, in that country, so... You know you can't control anything. How um, So it was, it was, it was held online, though successful. But we had uh, more challenges as compared to, to 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 the past events because of the you know technical or technological errors and all the likes. But we we learn and yeah. So basically, that's just that about the history of IS. We've had uh, a couple of partnerships with local stakeholders and all the likes, but we'll get to that one So yeah. Okay, thanks. I mean, you. What what was your background, Mehela? You know, for you to sort of um, start feeling like Okaira, this event. You mentioned that you had another business in Ngopera, um, where you were effectively trying to find investors into the country. What's your What's your background? Can I how it's easier for people to relate? Or batalo kanye bakanya bag beitso karo kuma buskwele no udirai um, were you always in this kind of in this kind of space? Um, surprisingly, nope. And surprisingly, what I studied at varsity does not have anything to do with <laughs> all my businesses or anything that I'm currently doing. So I studied political science and public administration, GUB. And yeah, after completion, I went straight into entrepreneurship. I started my first company. In the, um, we did project management, and then you know that failed and then I went into into your net connect circle which is basically you're bringing in foreign investors and yeah so I don't have any history or any footprint more events management like I said because I thought it will work out for for my benefit or for the benefit of my company which was connect circle which started early 2017 and then along the way that's when I started IES so yeah fantastic um, as I, before Kimu Vela to say PS, um, guys, I'm going to, I, I forgot to mention, if you want to ask any questions to the speakers or to interact with us, Harsan Zerubuyale, the speakers, please, um, feel free to put up your tweets, um, on the timeline, um, hashtag BWConnectSpaces, we'll see it there. A lot of the time people just either... Babadi Potoko Basa Basaba that Basaba the hashtag. Um, I also don't necessarily go into my DMs or even go um, to check my own notifications. Just use the hashtag so that Hellhagazanam hashtagging a big ebidilistakasant. So hashtag PW Connect Spaces for any questions or comments to the speakers. Say um, PS. Um, let's, you are, you, you are the patron of the food farm. Tell us more about that. Yes. Um, hi and hi to everyone. Thank you for having me once again. Uh, the food farm. Well, the food farm is really a market. Um, I, I like to always emphasize, Jorge, it's not a gig. You know, it's, it's a family event, it's a family outing, it's a market as well that provides a platform for local businesses, local uh, entrepreneurs, local food producers, um, farmers, 
um, you know, this is what initially, to be quite honest, the 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 concept started as before it morphed into what it has become today or what it was, let me say, pre-COVID. TPS, are you still there? Are you still there? Yes, am I audible? Emma, Rahu, Okay, tell it what you, you were describing it. Um, I don't know if I got yes. like uh, an idea of what the picture maybe was. Maybe I got cut off. Eh, no, maybe I got cut off. Sorry, I was saying the food farm is more of a market. It's more of a family event. Um, I was saying I like to emphasize the fact that it's not a gig. You know, like the gigi halata weekly the attend. We don't have um, DJs playing. We don't have lineups. We don't have uh, you know, the conventional things that you'd find at an event that you're going to for, you know, a party atmosphere. So what the food farm began as is just basically a concept that provides a platform for local food producers, local uh, cooks, local um, businesses, SMEs, um, you know, even if they are outside of the, the food industry. Um, farmers, your, you know, we, we even have the likes of people who make perfumes, uh, people, you know, massage, despa who do massages. So we, we've basically incorporated all sorts of SMEs, but our main focus was basically just to focus on food and the food industry and what Botswana has to offer. You know, we've got so many different hidden talents um, or hidden businesses that we don't necessarily know about and that find it difficult to uh, reach a market or get themselves out there, you know, and the food farm, which began about uh, six, seven years ago now, um, you know, helped some of these businesses uh, like Bumurula Divine, who makes Marula beverages, you know, and just ginger was still very small before it became uh, the big brand that we know it is in the shops and things like that. So we provided a platform that made sure that people were able to have an easy access uh, to products that are made locally. So your, your event is effectively a lifestyle event. Yes, it is a lifestyle event. Um, it is a family event. And, uh, you know, it, it is more of a market. Um, I don't like to call it an event because I think sometimes when we say event, we associate it with, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to put it, uh, you know, gigs that are, that go on into late night or that, you know, have some sort of entertainment like your DJs, like your performing artists or, or, you know, things like that. All right. Um, and where, where did that passion come from? And it's almost like I, what's your background that sort of led you to, to that space? Okay. My background, um, I mean, in, in varsity, I studied communications and uh, media, um, but which doesn't really focus much on events. So I can't say it had much to do with events. Uh, I, I moved back to Botswana and, uh, you know, I started a business called Flowetry. Um, Flowetry began as an event which first took place in Johannesburg. It was a poetry session called Flowetry Sessions. When I moved to Botswana, that then became a business called uh, Flowetry Media House. And with Flowetry Media House, what we basically did was we 
basically did um, communications and marketing events for corporates. The first ever event that we did as a uh, Floetry Media House, we did um, the first, uh, I think and I believe till today, that was the first fan park that Botswana ever had. Uh, we did the Heineken UEFA Champions League fan park um, out at Warwick Park. So this is how it began, where we were just basically taking brands and finding a new way and a, a unique way of uh, putting them out to the people. You know, instead of just doing a gig, we were also promoting, we were also, um, you know, just basically, re, you know, making the, refining the brand to fit the BW market. So this is how my event uh, industry experience began. We did that for um, quite a few years. Um, until the partners of Floetry decided to go their separate ways. And then this is how then the food farm came about because my passion really is with food. Um, right now, you know, I own a business called Mrs. Cook's Kitchen. We do uh, 360 event solutions, which is your catering, your decor, and your event organization as well. So the food farm stemmed from my passion for food, and it actually is what influenced now the becoming of Miss S. Cook's Kitchen. Um, you know, I love to cook, I love to eat, and I love good food. So the food farm for me was basically a hub whereby, also because I have kids, I needed somewhere that I could go with my kids, be able to still have um, a good, some good clean fun while enjoying some good food. So I'd say this is how the food farm came about, you know, and then I just started wanting to find um people that made food locally and that made, uh, you know, food that is different, you know, not your usual uh, food hella that you'll buy on the side of the road on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, as your lunch plate, but people who like to play around with food, who like to decorate food, who were creating food um, or food products, rather, you know, your jams, your chilies. We have people that do um, biltong locally, you know, even at the food farm, we've had a, uh, a lady who uh, does dried peas, which is sort of like your peanut snack, you know, where instead of like, you know, how you get peanuts in a packet, it was peas, you know, and it's something that for me was new and it was very, very interesting to discover, you know, um, a lady who does marula products. I remember back then they weren't really popular, the marula drinks and uh, marula jams and um, every product that she made was revolved around marula and how she had to harvest the marula at a certain time of the year and keep the pulp um, and make sure that she had enough stock for the whole year uh, in order to create her products. You know, So these are the kind of things that we were showcasing at the food farm. Um, we also had live cooking tutorials whereby you could, um, you know, see how food is made. You know, we also like to encourage farmers to come through. Our hashtag is always from farm to fork. So you're able to see uh, the different products um, at the food farm go onto your plate. And we would always do the live cooking tutorial with what products that you would find within the market. Yeah, I think... I think I'm probably the oldest speaker in the panel as well. Huh? <laughs> um, when I read about her body at the conference, it didn't say young, even My name is Abel Omudibe, popularly known as Bizo. You know, everyone in this industry, I don't know, I'm music here. I want to say things Bizo. 
because I've been around, I don't know, what, 22, 23 years. So you can calculate how, how old I am now. Uh, if you add 18 more years on top. So I run a company called Total Music Group, but under it there's a company called Events Lab, you know. So with Events Lab now, what I'm doing, I'm sharing my experience yeah, there's 23 years. So it's more like um, I'm not an event manager anymore. So I'm doing event consulting and advisory services to, to people and organization. The last organization that I was helping was Boom with the Boom. I was in terms of rebranding, repositioning, and renewing their event. Um, I can tell you for the first time in nine, 10 years, they posted a profit of close to good. 200, more than 250,000. I don't want to say that amount. So that was, the first, that was the first time they posted a profit and they ran it at, um, it was very successful. They gave out artist prize money. They paid out close to 1.6 million to, uh, to creatives like artists, event producers and so on and so forth. So when I do an event, I don't produce it anymore. I don't do the event. I sit down and put the whole team together and just you know, just coordinate or just, you know, help people put the events together. You know, um, that's what I, that's where my passion is now. Um, also just imparting skills, you know. While I'm sitting, I, I think my joy now is just, you know, putting young, ta young talent on and finding young people and pe even older people that are trying to do events and, and helping them, you know, achieve their dreams. I think with what I've done, you know, in my life, I think there's there's nothing that I want, you know, anymore. Like there's, I don't have a big ambition to do a big event or to discover the biggest artist ever. I've done that, you know. Um, I don't think my record speaks for itself. So I do many events, you know, uh, that I consult for people, you know, as, as we speak. Um, um, but my only event that I'm doing now is the Botswana International Music Conference, but I'll start with the Booster Bash and the festivals that I used to do. So what happened is that me and a friend called DJ Bucks, back in the days we used to have an event, like it was a very small event that we were doing. So Bucks became a Christian, as you know, so he quit eventing. So then I decided, ah, let me continue doing this annual event. It was on the 31st of December. We were holding it at... Uh, at the Lizard Lodge, it's called end of year bear. So two thousand people will come to that parking lot. If you are around, two, if you are around, about two thousand and two three, go two thousand and one, two three, four, five. Around that time, you know those bashes that used to be on that parking lot at Lizard. You know, around the thirty first. So we'll do that. So one day it happened that. Jazz, you know, Limita Manuel Ruhaba joined Mascom as a marketing man. So when he got there, Mascom wanted to go into music because Orange was big in music. They had the full moon parties. They all rolled those type of parties. And at the same time, Orange had locked up like what would be termed as the biggest promoter in the country, you know, uh, being Oliver Prentout. And almost all the artists which were hot at that time were aligned to Orange. So Mascom was stuck with probably nobody who could do an event. So Manuel then 
learned to work with hip hop until so. As you know, me and Jebel used to do our own thing, like on the streets, sell our music, do this, do parties and stuff. So approached us and said, guys, gonna go mask home or trying to do this, this. So we told him, like, well, guys, we've got an event on the 31st of December. Why don't we take that SIM card of yours? Um, because they were introducing a SIM card called Booster Batch and turn the name of our event into a SIM card and people can buy the SIM card and go into the concert. So there was a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Mascom was coming on board, not coming on board. So then they approved the event. The event was on the 27th of December. I remember it was in two, 20, 2007 or six, the first one. It was on a Thursday. It was midweek. Like, in the following day, So people were doubting or no, you know, what I think gave us 6,000 or 7,000. I forgot to some small budget. So people packed that venue to the rafters at uh, Ozu. You couldn't go to Tlokwen. You couldn't come out of Tlokwen. So I think if, those, if there are people who are around maybe... 30, people who are 30, between 29 probably to 30 to 40, they will remember that event, you know, very well. So we, we started to do it, we did it, we did it. It bombed out because of many reasons, you know. Also because we also later on we got bent out, you know, we, we were young when we started this thing, we were inexperienced, it outgrew us, you know, um, many mistakes were made on our part. Um, we learned from it and we managed to use them to our advantage because whatever happens to you in life, it's either it's a lesson or it's an, an experience, you know, so it depends how you take it. So it managed to build us better going forward. When it comes to the International Music Conference, like I'm saying, my passion is developing people, giving them opportunities. And I decided that, yo, man, with all the knowledge that I have, why don't I start a platform where I can bring some of my friends in the industry, like the people that I know from Bo Universal, from Bo MTV, from Bo BET, from, to come and exchange, you know, that knowledge with young people in Botswana, because every time people are always saying, why are you not signing the next artist? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing this? But for me, it's like, why are you not starting your own record company and signing artists as well, you know? So for me to, because I can't do everything, you know, I can't keep on signing artists. I'm getting old. Also, I'm getting out, out of touch and out of fashion, you know? Um, I then decided to start the International Music Conference to help artists. I mean, some of the artists that I've plugged on is like Serezi and the Natives. I mean, you know, you went to the Bushfire, we took him to the carnival in, in Vic Force. We are the ones who plugged him to all those events. And he even went to perform in Mozambique. Um, so what I'm doing is that because I've got tons and tons of connections around, you know, the music space, they're pointless if I'm keeping them in my pocket, you know? I would rather open my hand and, you know, get let these youngsters connect with them and fly, you know, because I'm in my 40s now. I I can't be claiming that I can just get a young hip-hop artist who's 18 and can run around and I've got kids now, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you were you were saying that um, you know one of the main things that you do now, the event um, advisory and consulting. So, whom be in a hamota safe argument, say, at a cohena, you know, Kebatahira Kebatahira Festival for argument's sake, and you would obviously offer them the services. You know, what kind of risks? would you want this person to be looking at? And what kind of key success factors um, over the years have you learned? Those kind of um, events didn't have success. What are the things that that person would need to think about? You know, the impetus of any business is making a profit, you know? That's the bottom line. You know, if you're going to come up with a with an event, you must treat it as a business. You know, you must register it as a company, make sure it's got proper shareholding, make sure it's got proper IP, make sure that, you know, you, you have developed what I can call a proper vertical ecosystem for that particular event for it to be successful. One of the biggest problems that I see and the mistakes, I mean, if you look at the format of festivals that are happening, it's the same thing that I was doing, you know, when I was doing the booster bash. By Rika Sixpack from KBL, you know, so you see that's you know, that's a, that's like scratching on the surface, right? For me, the most successful promoter or the future promoter is going to be the guy that invests on the ecosystem, who's going to say, I'm not doing a festival that's gonna put in ten thousand people. I'm doing a festival for 2,000 people niche. I'm going to sell them my match. I'm going to sell them my alcohol. I'm going to sell them my food. I'm going to put in a hospitality package in it, and I'm going to sell it at X amount. If you look at an event like Champagne Picnic, right, the ecosystem there is very clear. You get there, it's fish selling you the alcohol, selling you the ticket for 2.5, just at 3,000 people, 300 people, he's sitting on 750,000. But if you count the price of a Moed at the at store and say, if this guy's buying 300 bottles, how much is Moed giving him as a discount, okay? Over and above that, because it's branded Moed, how much are they giving him as sponsorship? For me, the biggest challenge in the industry is not getting sponsors into sponsor an event. I always say that if you've built a strong ecosystem, sponsors or investors, they would know where they put in money. Take, for example, BIMC. With BIMC, the ecosystem is very clear. My Ministry of Youth, Sports and Culture, they know where they put in their money. You know, what they want to achieve, what they want to do. Because I'm bringing the guys that are bringing in the festival, they can take artists out. They've got a program and they've got agreement with other countries, the cultural exchange, but they don't have the promoters for them to actually uh, trigger or what you call implement this cultural exchange. But do they have festivals? No. Do they have uh, a festival in South Africa? No. So I've developed all these promoters, like the guys like Bo, African Attire and some of those guys. So I'm able to Get those promoters like Serrates is one of the beneficiaries of this whole cultural exchange. So I learned that that's what you need to do. You need to really pick up what 
this corporate side. So once you've developed, like I'm saying, the ecosystem and say, this is how I'm going to make money, then you know how, you, how you're going to just position everything. So if somebody's going to come to me and say he wants to do a festival, I'm going to ask them, what are the reasons why you are staging that festival? The same thing when Bumi came to me, I asked them, of everybody why have you come to me with a brand that it has been that you have attacked so much as the owners and said you must i must do it they said no and The first thing I told them is that stop going around asking for people to sponsor the awards. Start by selling the rights of the awards to the broadcaster. That's how awards work all over. And there's no awards. If you look at the MTV awards, without MTV, there's nothing. BET, Grammy Awards, ABC and NBC, if they're not involved, there's no awards event. So they packaged the, we packaged the event. We went to BTV and said, look, this is the product, and we are valuing it at 2.5 million. They came back and said, guys, we can see the product that you are valuing. We won the rights, but Arna, my dear, another 1.5 million. So to be honest, you just have to make sure that the ecosystem is very clear and people, they know what they're buying into. So when we saw, when we got the boom, when we went to BTV, we knew what we wanted there, and we knew what we were selling there. So it's very clear. When you go to MySec again and say, guys, sponsor the awards or Fund out. You have to go there and say, here are the Boomer Awards. We have X amount of artists here. They are going to perform. We're going to give them X amount to perform. Uh, we've got the nominees. We're going to give the, the, the nominees X amount. If you look at the Boomer Awards, each and every person who got nominated got 2.5. The winner got 5,000. And there were 30 categories. We paid 336,000 across any across all the artists. And I believe last year, if not this year, in terms of a private event, we paid more money to artists who are performing and artists that they got nominated in our event than any other event. Okay, let me bring in, previous... in the, let me bring in the ladies. And just as I said that Le Mohang um, dropped off. Um Tepi, your you said you don't want to necessarily classify it as an as an event. But the reality of it is it is a business. It takes your time. It must pay you. So what are the things that you have to think about when creating the food farm with regards to making sure it's successful, that your clients are happy, and that you make money at the end of the day? And what are the things that you need to worry about to make sure that it's, to make sure that it's a success? Um, I would say for me, my biggest challenge, let me put it as a challenge, was making sure that I stuck to the mandates. Uh, you know, it, it really took a long time to kickstart the food farm in order to reach a certain number that allowed me to actually um, start making a profit from it. And uh, that was mainly because, you know, as Botswana and as people, we already had our own concept of what we expected an event to be. We already had our own concept of um, what we wanted to 
you know, or what we expected a good time to be, you know. So when somebody's coming with uh, something like a family event and uh, a completely different dynamic, you know, it, a lot of people used to ask me, why don't you allow the food farm to run until a little bit later? Um, you know, even the store people sometimes would, uh, I, I actually saw a post on Twitter uh, that was uh, that was talking about how, event organizers charge exorbitant prices for stalls. You know, as a food farm, we came from a point whereby initially we would have loved to have free stalls, but because an event takes so much to put together, you know, we've got security, we've got uh, an event like the food farm, we had a partial nanny service because we are a family event and we had a playground, uh, a play area for the children. We had, um, you know, staff that patrols the grounds, picking up litter, for the main reason that we wanted the quality of the event to be a certain way. Um, and it, 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 there's so many dynamics that go into it and we need to cover these costs, you know? So I think sometimes what people also don't understand is that when we charge, we charge looking at those elements. Um, when we charge entry, some people would ask, why are you charging people to come in to see the stalls? Shouldn't people get in for free? Um, so that they can buy from the stalls. But at the end of the day, then, how do I, as the event, justify having an event um, that doesn't charge? How do I pay the staff? How do I pay the venue? And we, your venues in Botswana are really, really expensive, you know. So to, to even maintain uh, a garden type of scenario event for the food farm, which is also meant to be a, a picnic type of setup. You have to look for the best venue, the one with great lawn, and those ones come at a very high price. So, you know, the biggest challenge or the biggest um, elements that came across that even I learned as time was going on was, you know, what it actually took and how much you had to put in and for how long before you even started to make a profit back even finding sponsors. Sponsors generally are very reluctant to join in from the beginning. A lot of what you will find is they will tell you, Rory, we will come to the next event to see, and then from there we will join you. So they always want to see you do it first. And if they come to that event and you did not have a good turnout, they are not going to sponsor the event. Yet, if they gave you the money to sponsor the event, you're able to now properly advertise, you're able to now properly get the right inventory that would allow your event to keep a certain type of quality that will then attract the consumer. And, you know, these are the parts that I think as a nation and as Botswana, we have failed to understand or we do not take into consideration when we start pointing fingers at event organizers. So I think for me, this is how the experience has been um, throughout the you know six years that I've been doing the food farm. Thank you. Let me take it to Lemmy now. Um, Lemmy, you you obviously been doing this event. You've been the event has been bringing in international people about Batsokoma Hatsing um, to come in and deliver this one day event. Well, you are also trying to sell that event to, for people who are about there, but the from the different people that you've brought in. What what were your risk? What are your risk factors that you have to worry about to make sure that the event is a success um, and that it's you know and that you are making money um, after all the effort that you've put in? All right. Um, first of all, employing all these people that we bring in. 
Rabaduella di Flaite, Rabaduella di Joenda here. We pay for that transportation, we pay for that accommodation, go everything, logistics, we pay for them. I agree, you can be bringing people and then you expect them, you know, so we decided, decided, you know what, let's pay for those people's uh, flights for you know, last minute. So I think that's one of the risks that we, we, we encounter. One, um, mm-hmm. I do not want to um, um, bad mouth anyone or just, you know, or anything like that, but you know, when it comes to 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 the event, my event is 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 run by sponsorships. I can't do uh, I can't do it alone because uh, if I can break down the budget for you, it's going to take all day. But uh, basically, we we return seven hundred fifty thousand for us to have a successful event. Like TPS said, um, the venue they are doing, you know, you'd be paying JCC about three hundred thousand. Maybe they buy three hundred thousand. They want you to pay because they are close to about sixty percent or fifty percent for you to secure the venue. So fifty percent what three hundred thousand is one hundred fifty thousand. One sponsor has his thing. My disaster thing. My on the day of the event, but since we're only the JCC hundred and fifty thousand, which of which you don't have, you probably have about twenty thousand that you made from the past event. Of which is unlikely because uh, hey, mobile uh, it's it's hard. It's really hard to 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 make profits really 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 massive out of such an event because also, um, the ticketing and all the like people don't buy tickets and I and I hell. But going back to issue the sponsor, um, or nope. We can't host you, osa, 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 riduela, and then yeah, you go around all at the lamp, paying, paying, clearance, say, fifty thousand, the whole, and hundred thousand, the girl, and LGICC. You know, such things are tiring, and you know, what's an amodi dealing, lay, 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 it's it's so much work and you know can't how how or stuff like that. So this is just one of the things that I really really despise about uh this type of event that I host and then also um yeah that's just about it briefly. So so Totaya, you're you know I think you you're speaking a lot to relationships and relationships with stakeholders. And I think Liz Bizo touched on that um, when he said um, building almost like an ecosystem. Um, and I, I think he was really, really alluding to um, Ishuya, yeah, building a, a competent team um lady companies so it's so you know, you've, you've sort of already alluded to that. Um, and, I, and I'll take it to 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 TPS now, um, on 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 financing and funding, and also sort of relationships with other stakeholders. Do you have other people? Do you have people that you lean on? Kana, this is something that you've been doing yourself. Um, there's always halala uh, halala. There's always um, you know, stakeholders that you will lean on. Like we've had sponsors in the past that would stay with us for about six months to a year, you know. And uh, But once they leave, you always have to have that contingency to know that in the events that I don't have a single sponsor, 
I need to have uh, something to finance this event, something to make sure that um, the staff is paid. You know, one thing for sure is that what I learned with um, the market was that I really, really had to maintain uh, staff that were with me for a long a long period of time, because that is also what makes a seamless flow of things or the event coming together. You know, you don't always want to be teaching uh, new people how to set up or how you need to pitch the tents or how they need to be handling the kids in the in the MAPA lounge or, you know, what needs to be happening at the gate. So you really need to make sure that no matter what, even if the event does not make a profit or even if the event is not making enough money, the people that you rely on to make sure that it is a success, whether or not it is a financial success, they are appeased and they will definitely come back and still do their best to make the event as good as it can be as though it was their own. You know, so this is where the challenge comes in. This is where, for me, I found the most important factor of running the food farm was, you know, having that family that made sure each and every time, even if me, you know, as a mother, you know, the, the, there were mornings where it's events set up or the day before events set up, you know, maybe can I leave emergency with one of my kids or something of that manner and I'm unable to make it to events set up on time. You need to be able to find that the setup is still done at the time that it should have been done. And the only way to have those kinds of seamless um you know, seamless uh, flow of work. I don't know uh, how to put it right now, but is to have people that understand, that understand the market, that understand how things need to go and that understand that you as the employer, you know, uh, what you expect and they're able to implement it. So imagine if every market I had new staff, uh, that would not be able to happen. God forbid I'm unable to come. It means they will sit there and wait for me to pitch up before anything can even be put together. And then that now just creates a ripple effect of many other things going wrong because once you're late with one thing, yo, it starts to become a disaster from then on. So, you know, it, it's a very delicate scenario with events and it's, it's, it's something that can be extremely financially draining is what I have found, but you just always have to find a way to make it work. You always have to have that um, cushion or that retainer that, you know, in the event that you have no income from anywhere or in the event that, and if your event usually has, you know, three to 400 people, but, you know, there are times where, you know, whereby my previous market would have up to 300 guests. And then two markets later, we've got 90 guests. And, you know, it's disastrous, but you have to keep maintaining the standard. So, you know, th those are just some of the elements that I would say, you know, in I have experienced and have taught me um, a different way of looking at the whole event organizing space and how people really receive us as event organizers and our events. Uh, thank you. Let me, who, who are your critical stakeholders? Um, you're maintaining almost those long-term relationships over to ensure that, that um, you know, your thing is a success. Um. You know, I've been working with the same people for, for the past three years. Um, my graphics team, uh, my uh, the people who do my reports, the people who, you know, who sort out the program, 
you know, I think I, I, I just saw her on, on the listeners' uh, thing is Yandile Nuku and her team, you know, they're the ones who take care of, of, of the, the, speak, the, the, the panelists there and what they would be discussing, the topic and all the like. So I think that's one of, she's one of the first people, Yandile Nuku and her team. And then there's also Mio um, Visuals, who are my graphic designers. Those are, those are the two stakeholders that I really, 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 really work with. My, um, I can't afford to lose them in any way or, yeah. And then there is uh, my team, um, they work behind the scenes, <laughs> so I can't mention their names because they are behind the scenes. Um, those are the ones that I've been working with for the past three years. The first event, um, nearly two here, no, the three of us, and then we were joined in by, by other people, but then they, you know, they had to go that, that different paths. But then um, that's when I introduced uh, the current people who I'm working with and who've been with me for you know, for this longest time, winning, losing, making losses, making profits, they've been there with 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 the IS team. So, yeah. Thanks, Zbizo. In in your world of like the festival and things like that, I think most times Haru Dwadi complain the from on on in terms of events, um, on the Sunday or the Monday. It it a lot of the time, you know, having been in events, you cannot identify this might have been an issue yeah, yeah stakeholder management they kind of a specific stakeholder I feel like they run their job correctly what are the stakeholders um, in terms of events that um, and if a, a person looking to put on an event has to worry about and make sure they're doing their jobs properly I think for, I think if you end, you want to get getting into the event in an eventing business one any type, there are three main stakeholders. It is the venue, it is the security and logistics. That's one thing. And then the production. Those are the most important things. People don't want to get into an event someday I listen to Warren, 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 Warren. You know, whether you conference, like the conference, they had a challenge with technology or in production. That's what you don't want, you know. You don't that you know, you don't want that people want a seamless event, no glitches, nothing, you know. That's what the audience or the customers or the consumers of the of events want. Two people want a, a secure and an accessible venue. For example, if you are doing conferencing, you have to choose a location, you know, there's easy access from accommodation, you know, the the you are flying them in from the airport, that's very important, you know. So that's very important uh, as far as Netherlands. Two, is it secure? You know, can if somebody will be to phone who out of Hanoi born, had a conference in Sonala willing, go festivaling, Amotas and go running. You know, is that demarcation of exit and entrance? Those little things, you know, you need to have all those things. You have to tick all the boxes, have a proper disaster management plan. What I've come to here, like now where I'm sitting now, many guys that I can tell you probably that are around here that probably are corporate, probably they've met me maybe the past two, three. They'll tell you I'm very, very expensive. A lot of people... Companies will not take me on because I charge prime and I don't negotiate. Whether it's, that's why I managed to rake up 
the the bomu rides from 300,000 to 1.5 million at BT because I'm generally very expensive this day. And I've decided to charge Prime because I've paid my dues. So I think another thing as event organizers is not knowing our worth and our value. I always say companies will come to you and pay you Prime if you know what you're doing. And I believe this <laughs> these days many of us know what we are doing. Um, like I'm, I said earlier, when I, I had people talk about sponsors jumping on and not jumping on when people start on Twitter. For me, one of the things that I've realized, even not here, you know, with my experience essay is that I think the one thing that, especially as black event organizers, that we have not learned, and I'm very sure there's no white event organizer. White event organizers, they collaborate a lot. You'll find out somebody's doing an event. He's partnered with a production company, partnered with this company, partnered with this company. So they are sharing this piece of a cake. But Nagala Sabelo gets to the booster bash. So I don't monetize the event properly. Right? I can't call in a catering company. We'll share the profits of the markup. Or for every plate that you sell, this is the coupon. I'll, I'll give you the coupon. More coupon, I get 10. The drinks and so on and so forth. You know? I managed to attend delicious when i got there i found that many you know there's a company that is doing corporate marquees that is partnered with the event so and sometimes you might find out that it's easy if point is handling my corporate land because he's corporate he's worked for bitham he knows top end he knows what the corporate he knows what an md thinks or how the MD thinks, and so now I'm just a promoter. I know what the, the revelers want. So as, 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 as people in the creative, we need to develop what is called smart partnerships. Another thing as well, we need to look at the ecosystem in terms of the equipment. If you look at promoters, all of us, we don't even own a cable. We hire speakers, we hire tens, we hire twelve. So before the event, we just financial this basic agent. We're just paying people. If you are doing an event, maybe let's say four events every year, and you're spending 400,000, 100,000 people, it means you're spending 400,000. Why don't you buy your own equipment? Because anyway, you're spending 400,000. You can still take 100,000 and invest it in this event company and still take the sound and hire it to other people. We need to start changing and decolonizing our mind about event. We can't be hiring the same things over and over again. If you see that there's this one line item that keeps on recurring in my books for six years, you have to ask yourself, should I own it or not? You know? So this is very, very important. You know, it's very, very important uh, to know our places. So I think for me, that's the gist, you know? With BOMU now, what I've told them is that because you are a music union, you've got musicians and promoters under your membership. You are paying 250000 for sound every year. Go to seed and buy equipment. Own the equipment. Hire it out to people. Set up a private company that rents out equipment. That is the only way people will take, artists will join you in big numbers because they know. Boomin and the sound. Rabdan will get a gear house, and I get a gear house, and I get a gear house, and I get a gear house, and So that is the mindset that we need to start you know, teaching our people, especially the younger guys that are coming from behind us, or look, this is the mistakes we made, and this is how to correct them. And like for like I'm saying, 
I'm not really interested in like, yeah, let's put up a best. Like, I just want to know what is the, what is your motive? What is the impetus? Are you in this thing for the long haul or not? But if you are doing this thing because you want a quick money, we need ten daragan out so my diabo so you can already I'm out, you know. I want people to work with people that are serious uh, because I don't have a lot of time in the world. I'm too old now, so I don't have time to to waste. So I think that's what we must teach people. Even you're going into conferencing, these are the things that you must own. Don't hire them every year. These are the things that you should, you know, like just basically the do's and don'ts. Even when the world sapiens are coming up with a food farm, they must learn or look. We had Bobusta best. Why we failed? Why um, sponsors always jump out? What type of sponsors do you need? You know, on a regular, which are the long-term partners? Which are the short-term? Like, for example, I can tell you a lot of events. I did a lot of bad deals because there was nobody else that was doing it. There was no, I didn't have a mentor. You know, I didn't have anybody to advise me. Let me give you a typical example. And we will go to this breweries company. They'll give us four fifty thousand, and they'll say that they don't want any product from outside, and they want us to give them hundred tickets, right? Uh, or two hundred tickets for them to put them in 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 Lekaramas or Guess what? Hundred times hundred, two hundred tickets. That's two hundred twenty thousand. So they've got twenty thousand, but at the same time, I've got ten thousand people inside the vein. They're drinking their product. Well, two hundred thousand. This guy's have scratched that, scratched down that. 50,000. I've given them brand exposure. I've given them, or I've given, so I think as promoters, we need to know the value and the award, and we need to know where we're going. And this thing, it's a long game. It's not a short game. And mind you, and I'm pointing, an event makes a profit eight year three, normally. The first two years, yes, you can make that money, but it's not going to be sufficient. But at year three, you need to be going for broke. I think now that's my advice for people that are coming up. And, um, you know, and also the most important thing, develop relationships locally and abroad. Because this relationship, you can always tap on them for favors, for trade, for exchanges, and many things. So event organizers, even the artists, everyone in the creative, even the corporates, is to think that, they're doing this local, 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 local thing. Look, it's only 2.5 million of us here. There's nothing that you can do without having to have partners outside the country or taking what you're doing outside. If you've got a food for event, look at how it can evolve. Look at uh, Americans now. They're bringing Alta and they're bringing... And right now, after COVID, if you look at the American uh, recording industry, it's slumping. The African... Music like Afrobeat, my piano, and all this type of gen- they're on the app. This means what? These Americans now, because they're buying a lot of African companies that are doing well, they're going to be coming here. They're going to be buying a lot of these events, even in South Africa, that are that are prominent. So you need to grow your event to the level whereby you can even go and stage it in another country. I, I was, you know, one of the events in I think the Cape Town Jazz Festival, they've done well with the North Sea Jazz Festival. I think it was once in Angola. No, it's still in Angola. Uh, the, the Cape Town Jazz, it's called the North Sea Festival. I forgot another country where, it, where it's at in Africa. So we need to start looking at that. Another event that is, that's that, that stage like this, Warmex, this World Music Expo. I think there's one in Brazil, there's one somewhere in Central Africa. 
there's one in, in that they do in Europe. So we need to start thinking about things like that. If you have got a popular event like African attire on fleek, why don't I take it and do it in Lesotho? Even if I do it for an audience of 1,000 people, partner with people then and, 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 and extend my brand. I think I mean, I don't understand why you would do a concert like, say, like Nani Gidira Bustabesh. Why would I wait the whole year and go and stage an event December and work the whole year? I'm from January to December. So those are some of the things that we need to start looking at as event organizers that you can't do one event it's counterproductive. You need to have two, three, four, five events, event properties under your company so that there's consistency and uh, a regular income coming in. I think that's like, like a Yeah. Let me, that sounds like something that resonates with you. Do you want to comment at all on that? Um, <laughs> like I said before, um, my business is not really about asset. I yes, I have I have uh, an independent uh, business, a mosaiding hella. I yes, was just a side hustle, so hence why I do it once a year. Um, but yes, Bizo is really right. Um, you can't have one event and then come back next year and then so forth and so on. So yeah. But by the time I decide to 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 make this uh, to make IS my 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 main hustle, I'll have to like you said I'll have to do two or more events. Um, I've decided that I'll have uh, an event either uh, once <clears throat> one it's at the be, uh, beginning of the year and then the other one will be end of the year. So yeah. Well, I was I was thinking more about what he was saying with regards to growing it into Africa. Your event has always been based in Botswana, but it's 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 an Africa one that's always brought in African entrepreneurs. So it's one of those events that probably would be fairly easy to transfer and be able to to stage in other in other countries. Oh 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 okay. Um, I think we wanted to just gain momentum and then you know gain an audience before we could take it elsewhere, and then also like uh. I say before finances also we wanted to you know just gain a bit of everything before we could take it out um we're doing so next year it's going to be held november go malawi in the long way so it's going to be the fifth one is 5.0 november i think 25th if i'm not mistaken era um we've partnered with a few stakeholders for the go malawi which are era so i think it's high time we decide we 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 we, we, we um rotated it amongst african countries uh, next year going to Malawi and then the other year is going to be South Africa and then that other year is going to be Ghana. So already we've we've already you know we've already um talked to different stakeholders go Mahatsingwa now. So yeah. Mobuzana it's already out. We're not going to be hosting it Guano anymore. So that sounds like growth to me. Yes. So Nekir there's, 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 there's challenges. What do you? I've been in events. I've been in events um, all my life. Can I let passionate this thing events which um, I I hate, but I'm, but of recent I've been able to try to, um, to contain it. There are a lot of things that you discover once you actually get into the business. What do you? What are the few things that you wish you'd known, um, upfront? before it's an hour into events that probably would have made a difference, um, uh, a, a hell of a lot of difference to your business. Um, Tepi, what things would, 
would you tell somebody who wants to go into like lifestyle events and that kind of thing in terms of that would hopefully make them not lose money ideally um i don't think there's any way to not lose money especially in the beginning uh you know like uh sabelo had said you know it takes a few years before an event can start making a profit um i'll testify to that definitely i think i only started making a profit um at the end of the second year of the food farm you know so one thing i think that we don't know when we go into events is how long you have to maintain and maintain this event without you earning anything from it you know we tend to go into them thinking oh yes by the time you know i get onto my second or third event is going to be popping off i'm going to be making a profit i'm going to be making some money i'm going to be coining it in but you know even once you start making a profit you will have those times where uh like i mentioned where you'll find that your very last event made a huge profit and then your next one makes nothing in fact you make a loss because the you know the market is very it, it's it's unpredictable you know there's so many events that go on in botswana and uh, or in haburoni or even if it's outside you know that at the same time as well on the same day new ones that try and uh, copycat yours you know i've had a lot of that as well over the years where you'll find uh, an event that is exactly the same basically doing exactly the same thing as what the food farm was doing and then two or three events later you'll find that there's no way to be found because they you know assumed that maybe because they attended any a food farm that in Italy, we had great sponsors and they thought oh this is simple i can pull it off you know and then you get into it and you realize that no actually to create this brand and to maintain this brand takes a lot of your income and a lot of sacrifice so for me i think i also went into it not realizing the amount of sacrifice so you really really need to have the the you know the the patience for it and uh, you can't give up one thing i always say is consistency is key no matter what the hardships are with every event if you just stay consistent and continue building the brand and as time goes there needs to be a difference people need to see a difference from your first event to you know your 10th event your 10th event can look exactly the same way as your first event because this will also show your consumer that you are not growing and that you're not offering anything more you know there there needs to be with every event some sort of growth and you need to show that you know you are actually investing back into the brand and making sure that it is something that is worthwhile for the person that you are charging at the gate to come in so that for me it was the most important factor and if i had known that in the beginning i think uh, i would have gotten to it with a little bit more readiness you know sometimes maybe save up a little bit longer before just jumping in or you know finding uh, a proper structure that will make sure that even if you're not making a profit but you are not really making a huge loss so you know events they seem simple but they take a lot of planning and uh, a, a lot of um, you know you need to be financially i'd say financially uh not stable but fi- you know just have a, a format as well financially what what is your plan in the event that 
what is your plan? You can't afford to postpone because that makes you seem as though you're not serious. Um, you can't afford to cancel. You can't afford to reimburse if the event doesn't go well. So yeah, planning, planning is everything. And you need to plan longer than, you know, just this week thinking, oh yes, event in three weeks time and it's going to be great. So for me, I think uh, if I had known that beforehand, I probably would have, uh, you know, had the market a bit more stable sooner. Thank you. Lemmy, what would you, what do you wish you had known before you, you had jumped into that journey uh, event? Um, before, before I move on, but on the second event, I'm on the fourth. I said, Ramadi, you better get lost here. All right. Um, I think Tapia said so much, and she said uh, literally everything that you know that uh, goes on on a mod event thing, and you know, yeah. I think one aspect I I never knew about, or not never knew about, but one aspect that I never took seriously. Contract, you know, signing the agreement, the lady sponsor, signing agreements with your stakeholders. You know, I've always, I think, about three or four, you have with, you know, the sponsor, not the designers, but, you know, ones that don't want issues thereafter. And then that was that most of them have always been with the probably marketing director, or the CEO, or whoever, you know, word of mouth. No, it's fine. We'll sponsor you even. Go talk to the go talk to Samamang, Samamang, Le, Lebuhore, Obatenga, Mofla, Ring, and all that. You know, word of mouth, and then on the last day, you get dropped by a sponsor. What do you do? Nothing, because you never had an agreement. So I think that's just one one big thing Elongwari has set me back. I think uh, in the past event, I've lost my dear Manzi due to, you know, issuing you know, I lost two sponsors a day before the event. I lost um, a sponsor during, after the event, and so that we pay people by longer we were working more event, but then they didn't. There was nothing we could do because there was no, no footprint there. We had an agreement. Sorry, sorry. But nothing more than that. So it was my loss. I I had to, you know, I, I still had to, to cover the costs of that thing and all the like. So I think what it still causes concern for for me and the team and yeah but uh tp has said every, every other thing that i you know that i wanted to say Zbizo, um let me brings up an important issue on contracts and you know we've been saying seeing this play out over the past few weeks where a artist a supposedly gets booked artist and then doesn't arrive or doesn't get on a plane or Nayalo. Um, and you know that's one thing that I remember that used to be a really big risk whenever we were doing events um, how do you when, with regards to something like that in terms of managing um, you know one of those artists and making sure that they arrive as promised and jalo 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 you know what, what are those things that you wish and some of those horror stories that you might have gone through um, and that you wish you had known um, before jumping into the event space and how have you mitigated against those kind of risks? Um, thanks, man. You know, I think for me, man, because I'm one of the guys that started off like in the late 90s and early 
2000s, you know. My, my biggest undoing is that I started this without a mentor very young, you know. There was nobody to advise us. You know, when I got into this thing, I realized that everybody, like the guys that we went to, they looked at us as a threat, you know what I'm saying? And they were not willing. I mean, the attitude was really terrible and was really stinking. So that's why I decided that I'm not going to be that guy, you know. I'm going to be the guy that's going to open the door for and keep the door wide open. That's one thing that was a terrible experience, you know. Uh, the, the one thing that I learned, you know, throughout is that, you know, you can't be everything, you know, in this business. This business is bigger than us, you know, we're going to die and leave it. But when it comes to contracts, you know, one of the things I've come to realize, you know, about, because I've worked with a lot of, I'll tell you, I work with Fresh very close, DJ Fresh very closely now. We're trying to do some stuff together here, which most of you will see when they come to fruition next year. And I've worked with Hippo Pantola. Can you imagine? I've never had a contract with Hippo Pantola in my life. I've never had a contract with Mascom in my life, but I worked with them for more than 10 years. For me, principle is bigger than a contract, you know? One of the things I've learned is that young executives, whether executive managers, marketing managers, they're not out there to make a name for themselves. Like, I can ask you now, who's the marketing manager probably of Coke or whatever? You understand? In the past, we knew who the marketing manager in Mascom was. We knew who the marketing manager at KBL was. We knew who the marketing manager at Butler's Nail Mike Link. You know, we knew all that because those guys, they really were out about the work. They were not like, maybe because there was no Instagram where marketing managers are all about Instagram and tweeting and doing all those funny things. You know, for me, I would want to see these young people that, because most of the marketing, like I'm going to, a lot of meetings. We're meeting young marketing executives who are 25, 26, 27, 30, like who I'm 10, 15 years older than them. And most of the time I'm, I'm talking to them and I'm trying to sell them a value. And you can see there's no, maybe it's because maybe I'm from a different age. I want to see more, more, more enthusiasm, the will to win in our people. You know, I don't see that will to win, you know, and I believe once we start having the will to win, we can go very far. I mean, I don't understand why somebody will go into meetings with Lemi for a month, agree with them. Then when the sun rises, they say, no, there's no agreement. I mean, I think sometimes as human beings, we have to reflect on the type of people we are. When I got with the BOMU job, right, because they're a big organization, I had to make sure that, and this is what people must learn, when you're working with organizations, make sure that there's a board resolution where each and every board member signs that resolution. And in a business like ours, you don't only need a contract. You need a very good lawyer and a very good accountant. Those are the two things that you need. So this is what I didn't have when I started off. You know? But I learned to have a good lawyer. Now, after Jebba passed away, that you actually need a lawyer. In your life, yeah. Yeah, no, it's bizarre. How do you, how do you, 
how do how do these guys control for and i'm sure lemmy's had a similar thing with speakers where you've paid for someone's accommodation you've paid for the flight that's up more you've paid for this and then suddenly on the day of the event how do you control for those kind of things where um, whereas the actual promoter has done whatever they've needed to do. How do we control for stuff like that? Yeah, I think the first thing first is a contract. You know, I always say that the foundation of any agreement or any business relationship must be based on mutual respect. If you're saying you're going to do this on your end as a promoter, do it as an artist, do that. And let me tell you, if you go through that story and go through that story, you're going to find out that Maporza's got reasons why probably he did what he did. One uh, It's only that big brands, they never want to react and stuff like that. But I'm not blaming the promoter. For me, if I, I book an artist, I think you always know that this artist, that gut feeling as an organizer, let me tell you, that this, this speaker might not come. I do BIMC. And I see one of the guys that I always invite from Deben is here, Spay. I know the people that I build the foundation with when I do that conference that are definitely going to come. You know, that actually, even if I was going to call them and say, guys, the money for flights is not in. Uh, can you drive down the drive to make the show? That's what I call laying down a strong foundation and strong relationships. For me, that is the bottom line, you know. Like now for my festivals or my sailing time, I won't book an artist that I don't know the manager personally or I don't know the manager. No matter. I don't book hot artists. I always tell people that I don't book. As I see the people, when I brought Mendoza to Booster Bash, I remember in the boardroom at Moscow, everybody was up and asked, why are you bringing a washed up artist? But when he jumped on stage, and technical, and I, I believe that is what inspired you guys to do start doing the retro events, because after Mendoza came, there was a lot of retro events where people were bringing this old school artists all over the place, you know. And then I brought in Bugalav. People felt this person has not brought in and has not done an event in a very long time, and has not released an album in a very long time. But is the catalog, you know, is the iconic status of an artist that. You are booking. You are not booking a song. You know, so I think the way when we create events, you know, we need to build events, like I was telling you. An event is not made of musicians or artists. An event is made of sound, venue, and security. You know, so once you have that sorted out, any artist that you plug in and your marketing is right, people will come, you know. All right. Thank you for that. Um, we have a question here. And, and, and guys, I also encourage anybody you want to look also to send a speaker request. We have a question here from Martin Mbaiwa. To me, it seems like an event can also be identified as a brand. How then can we, we come to protect it from competitors? Um, you know, and he asks for copyrights. Um, because I think you you sort of mentioned that, and I think it would be interesting as well. I mean, I think Sepi uh, sort of also um, alluded to that. It'd be interesting, guys, to just speak on that. Uh, you know, I uh, I have you registered your copyrights, your IP, 
Um, and then on top of that, you know, how do you sort of protect yourselves against competition? And anybody can jump in at any time. Actually, let me not do that. Zbiz, let's start with you. You were mentioning issues. Um, elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, for for me, any event that I start, even Booster Bash, I registered it. You know, so when you do an event, the starting point is to register that event so that nobody can bootleg you, right? Then from there, you register the trademark, which is the logo of the event, so that nobody can go do T-shirts and do stuff behind your back. Because you see, when you register a business name, it doesn't mean you have protected... Um, uh, 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 the use of that name on other things. So when you register an, uh, um, a trademark, right, you protect it because you, you state that this is an event, this is this, this is this, this. You, you state the errors that you are protecting in that particular brand. And nobody can do anything. If you see Mpoeng Aile T-shirt a booster badge, you can actually sue them, you know. So that's very important. That's why I said you need a lawyer. I know Rakshin, I don't know what's Rakshin's name, Tobo, Tobo Kereka, has got a company that does consulting, especially in the area of entertainment. You know, it's a sort of a, a, an entertainment, a legal entertainment consultancy firm. He's very good at those, those type of, for those people that want to go into that space. Or banal in the event, or banal in the idea, you know, to protect, you know, sometimes doing this, it doesn't mean that Sometimes it's about protecting your business first and your business, your investment. Or it's going to dilute you, you know? Uh, like what Tipi was saying. If you have done the food farm and your event is sitting and somebody comes and bootlegs and then does things, there's some like food farm, you can sue them if they're diluting your brand, you know? Or if something selling or something like a food farm or is mimicking food farm. And I've learned, one of the things that I've learned since I started even with the boom, is that don't be scared to take someone to court. I think one of the reasons why people get messed up, like where sponsors pull out and stuff like that, sometimes you don't even have to go to court. I think sometimes you have to write a legal letter to the CEO of a company to show them how unethical their, corporate, their, 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 their business is. I think once you've done that, and at the end you write that, you know, your intention is not to sue them, is to, for them to self-correct. And I'll tell, tell you, people will take you seriously. But they will know, you know what? With them, you don't play games. This person is downright business. Like, nah. I don't think there's anybody out there that can try, or even in this office. Maybe you won't get it in the idea. Or propose Because I'll take you to the cleaners. I, 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 I lose, I always tell people that at my age, I'm. I'm I lose nothing. And I think a lot of young people, they end up getting scared to fight for their rights. But once you've done your, your, your homework, right, you've put your, your ducks in a row and you know what you're doing, don't be scared to fight for what is yours. You know? Don't be scared to fight for what is yours. And and even breach of promise. How much of promise Don't don't even hesitate. Take that thing to the lawyers. Let them check it. Once the lawyers say there's a there's the there's sense of success.
if you get one simple line wrong, you can lose everything trying to sue someone and then you get countersued and you'd get damaged completely and you lose everything. So so I think we need to to think of a simplified way uh, in a way that maybe a system where which would be uh, youth friendly, broke people friendly. Uh, it's, it's very critical because from my experience, when we were doing uh, business weekly, for example, we had done all the, the, the mock-ups and everything like that as a concept. You know, we were advised by a lot of, I mean, a lot of guys around our space who are in graphic design. We are not graphic design, I'm a journalist. So they were saying, look, write the whole thing as extensive as you can. In other words, if you are doing business, you are, you are putting together a newspaper like that, write all the sections, what they're going to look like, what they're going to cover, everything, even stuff you're not going to publish just yet. For example, if you have a, a section on music or a column on music, it has got a name, you put that column, even if within the initial pagination, say if you have 24 pages, you cannot accommodate that column yet. But when you run to 72 pages, you will have that column, write it down. So the entire thing has to be written down extensively with a brand Bible and everything. It takes time. But if we could condense all of that into just one form for young people who can say, well, I'm here, I'm called this, at least those questions would be raised well ahead. And then they can just fill a simpler form that would help them be able to secure their rights. That's, that's all I can say. But thanks a lot. Look, uh, thank you. Thank you. And I think that's a very important thing. Um, Zbizo Kantele alluded to saying, you know, but what's an number bomuni to think about purchasing a rebuild speaker and equipment um, such that how subscriber and membership, um, some of these things you are getting discounts and things like that. And I don't see why um, so that kind of a function is existing on the accounting side and even on the legal side. Yeah. Why the Hosanadi the lawyer do on retainer, but it's a hell of a um, at least at, at a very basic, simple level. Um, anybody who's a paid-up member isn't able to at the office to sue the contract, dispute And I mean, even taking it away from the music business, you wonder why we don't have that function, whether it's sitting over my second young for youth businesses that have to deal with contracts. Um, you know, something that people can just come in and plug in some of these commercial things. I think that's a brilliant, I think that's a brilliant comment. Thank you for that. Now, um, I think, I think, uh, as I said, uh, it looks like um, and I'd just like to thank all of the, all of the people that have born with us today on this uh, really tough space in Rinala Matata. Um, at, the, at the internet, I'd love to thank uh, my speakers for a very engaging, for a very very engaging um, space. Um, I, I, anybody who hasn't been in events or hasn't thought about some of these things today, um, I'd like to give my speakers um, almost uh, last opportunity. you know what what we need to look forward to their last words. Um, the kind of things they you know on the horizon and how we can support them, where we can support them. Um, if you've got contacts so that other people by going forward, um if they wanted to get a hold of you and work with you, Mufud Famo. All right. Um thank you once again for having me. Great being part of the conversation. 
But uh, if you want to find me, we do have our social media pages. We're both on Facebook and Instagram. As and uh, contact details are on there. But otherwise, um, my email address is thefruitfarmbw at gmail.com. And uh, the Fruit Farm's contact is 7288830. Those can be found in our social media. Um, so, yeah, let's work together. We'll be back next year in the schedule. We just need to uh, COVID has been very, very tough, um, especially for small events like ours, you know. Um, so recovering is a very slow process, but when we do return it, obviously we wanted to come back with a full bang. Um, we've had, you know, our tries here and there, but... But now, like I said, you know, having experience as well helps. So that you don't jeopardize the quality of the event. At the end of the day, we want to deliver something that for you as well as a memorable experience. Thank you, Tepia. So, Thank yes. you for, for, for coming on. Um, Zbizo, um, any final words? Any last words that... Uh, and if somebody next year wants to come put up a, a festival and probably use your services and maybe get mentorship as well from yourself, yeah. Okay, now I'm always here on Twitter or either on Facebook. I think that normally but. I'm more accessible that on social media, you know. Um, I think that's where people can contact me. I think that's the starting point. In my social media, I leave my number. My cell number is there. It never changes. Then on Twitter, you'll find it there. On Facebook, you'll find my cell number there. Um, it's seven one seven seven four two zero zero. I've had it, I don't know, for the longest. Um. Thanks, Sirilito, for what you have advised, you know. I think one of the things in terms of what we're doing with Total Music Group, um, especially from a music side of things, we're trying to help people with just getting their music distributed, helping them. We never thought about the legal aspect in terms of the contract because generally they'll be signing with us. And um, I've been talking to this a lawyer just to work who we have been using, Modi Conference and Zarona. Or, you know, I like interest into creative industry stuff. I think I would share with him this thing. If doesn't take much. You know, can you change that, charge that young person like 150 or 200 just on, on a pro bono basis? Or maybe maybe he can devote an hour of his time. How do we advise them? I think it's a good thing. But I think in the long term, we need to ask Cosmos to, to, to make sure that there's a lawyer at Cosmos. The legal office is inaccessible to the artist. I'll ask the chairperson, can that service be extended by Cosmos? Because I know they've got an artist welfare service. And the good thing is that Cosmos is a collecting society of all right holders, whether it's music and fashion and game. But in terms of me, in terms of what I'm doing, um, like I'm saying, when it comes to young people, I'll always open the door for them and help them. 
but I'm not going to do free work for corporates like big companies. I'm not going to do that. I'm not interested in, in, in doing free work for them. But if it's like CP or Tireles or Victor or Mangba, Simolo, Lavata, I'm there for them. You know, like I'm for the small men because not personally, I have suffered. I've suffered because I didn't have anybody to advise me. So I'm not going to allow people, especially who are upcoming event organizers, to suffer the way I suffered because then why did I go through all that pain? You know, in that struggle, if in if at the end of the day there's no beneficiaries of my struggle, but I'm not going to share my knowledge and my 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 skills with a company that you know is making hundreds of millions for free because I've come to realize that our company is actually Kitson Sailor Hahung. Didira Hori, you know, Rehalele Hori, you know, Renale, this is what can I call Renale, this hostile mentality. But for young people, for upcoming promoters and stuff like that, my door is open and they know it. And I never come getting into it. I've not come to a point they get about getting into it. I just, I do not why you are passionate and I love what you're doing. I'll support you. And, you know, it's the energy that you bring. And I always see through the eyes of a genuine person and a person who's coming with stories. If you come with stories, I would have long seen Oro and on Takadi tour. But I'll always help. Many people they know, Bang Manaldi event, I've gone there, put up the stages, sometimes call the police, one of the problems, somebody pay me. Just young promoters, where there's chaos, I'm bang for all of the problems. They know I'll always come and try and help them, you know, especially Baba Dirandi Festival, I'll problem. So I'm always there, I'm always available to help, you know. Um, but for me, it's always easy for me to send me a message because then I'm able to help you to maybe respond, you know. Then I'm phoning. Because I'm phoning, you know, either on my inbox, I'm able to respond and tell you, no, this is what you can do. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think Rene Le Matata Lemi wasn't able to, Lemi wasn't able to listen um, but she is on Twitter. I think her handle is at Miss Lemmy. You can always see it on the fly, and I'm sure she's happy to chat with all of you. Guys, thank you very much. This is this is our last Space Young Waka, and we hope to be back by sort of mid of January. Um, as always, um, we are interested in um, the, 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 the topics that you would love to see. On the on the on the timeline, let's um, um, something that Zbizo talked about. We need to have a space around um, almost the quality um, of 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 our marketing managers, Kanayang. But how do we bring? How do we make those that corporate marketing in a lot more uh, impactful Mobile going forward? And I think that's something that we'll see. We'll see Kanayang. Um, and bring it to the spaces in the next year. I'd just like to say thank you to everybody who participated today. Thank you for everyone who listened. Thank you to everyone who wants throughout the year. I think we, we, we are like, we're hoping to see growth. And even maybe move these to radio or even TV. So, you know, thank you for, for, for listening this year. Um, and let's, let's continue to grow together, as we said.
uh, it takes a village and we'll see you guys all next year you know that the the, the podcast will hopefully come some out sometime this week so if you've missed it come on we'll start thank you guys and we will see you next year my home shot